All right, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. It's Revival Town Podcast. I'm Chuck Tate. That's Andy King. Oh, I love a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, you re- related to some I something? Know, yeah, What's yeah, going yeah. on there? Yeah. That was supposed to be a turkey. Oh, okay. Turkey uh, from that, the turkey. Yeah. Hey. hey, hey. <laughs> um, what? Hey, happy Thanksgiving. What? Hey, hey, are you getting any time off this week? Um, you know, it's a good question. Pastors yeah. never, well, yeah, you only yeah. work one day yeah. a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I had a dollar. <laughs> yeah, you're, you only have to work one day a week, man. Uh, yeah. Oh. What do you love about Thanksgiving? You know, I love a number of things, but probably my favorite is the food. Oh, I just on. love Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, you know, just <clears throat> a few weeks ago, Clay, my son, came into town, and uh, he was in town uh, for some stuff, and uh, we said, "Hey, what do you, what do you want to do on the Thursday that you're here?" And he's like, "I'm not going to be here for Thanksgiving." I'm like, "Yeah, but we're having a Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving." He's like, "Yeah, but I won't be here then." So we had a Thanksgiving dinner about three weeks ago, and then we're having another one this week. Wow. And, uh, so, yeah, so, you know. That way he can still experience it. Yeah, yeah. So, so man. we, we uh, you know, we are going to eat this week. Um, now, for everyone listening in England or Australia, uh, Spain, Italy, wherever you are outside of, of the U.S., yep. it's just Thursday. It's just Thursday. Just Thursday, we have yeah listeners in seventy nine countries. Is that crazy? It is. So we're grateful for you. Let us know where you're listening from. We want to know. Yeah, yeah. So, but I love Thanksgiving. I remember the first Thanksgiving uh, when I came over because like over I, on the oh yeah when you came over on the boat on the Mayflower. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's crazy is I mean I'm I'm not joking. It's just Thursday. In most parts of the world, right? This yeah. is the one of the only holidays that Americans celebrate. And I love this holiday. I mean, you know, I remember that first Thanksgiving and then going down to Peoria for the, the Santa Claus parade, right? It's the yeah. oldest running parade, Santa parade in the country. Wow. And um, so, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, there's just so much about it. Spend staying up all night Thursday into Friday to go shopping. Oh yeah, Black Friday, which actually started the day after Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> they just move it up. Yeah. Next year it's going to be in July. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's crazy. But um, yeah, no, well, have I, you I, ever I, have you ever done that? Have you ever gone out like waiting for something at midnight? Um, one time, but it wasn't at midnight. It was early, early, early in the morning, and it was for a jeep at walmart for my daughter savannah when she was five i wanted to get a little battery powered pink jeep yeah and everybody wanted them and i am not joking the doors open and it was crazy and my wife and i ran and they were gone before I could even get there. And this dude knocked over a woman who was about to get one, and he stole it from her, knocked her down, and took it. I'm like, what a jerk. Well, and you shouldn't people. have done that. I just, I, I said, I'm so sorry, Annette. We were both trying to get it at the same time. Back off, woman! Uh, oh, no, <laughs> no, but but here's, here's what the crazy part of the story. We sat there, and we, I mean, we didn't sit there. We were in, we we're standing there in Walmart, and we were just bummed. They were just, they were gone immediately. Like this woman got knocked down. People were like cussing each. It was crazy, right? And they left. We just stood there and just kind of looked at each other and was like, and as we were standing there, after everybody scattered, a worker for Walmart came out with a big pallet on this. Oh. It was a, a power controlled. Um, Dolly with more boxes oh. of Jeeps and we got we got one for our daughter. Boom. There Boom. you go. I remember going out there's many nights that I've gone out looking for something. The funniest one though 
was the night where I wanted to get my boys a table tennis table. And so there was a store in town that they were having this stupid sale. And I'm like, I've got to get there early. They were opening at six. I'm like, I'm going to get there at five. Going to get up at 4.30 and drive there. I get there at five. There's not one person there waiting. (laughs) (laughs) No one one else wanted the ping pong table? Obviously, I could have got there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man. I got it. But yeah. Hey, so, but you got it. Oh, I got it. I got got it right. And there was about 50 other ping pong tables I could have got as well. Oh, man. You know what? That reminds me of a story. I, I, another time I was out and I got a foosball table for my kids. Yeah. And I, I waited it on Christmas Eve. I put that thing together. Almost lost my Christianity putting it together. I hate assembling things. Yeah. And um, I, I, it took forever, right? Most of the night at Christmas Eve. And then I, I set the table up. <laughs> all right? Yeah, yeah. And all the little dudes were upside down. <laughs> and I had to take it apart! Reassemble it with the guys in the right position. <laughs> I just about lost my mind. Oh man, that that that'll have that's gonna make it. That'll have to make it to my next book. Oh about, man. But oh. speaking of books, oh come hey, on. Hey, our guest today, yeah, is gonna. He believes everybody has a book in them, and he wants to help pull it out of you. Yeah. Today we have a gentleman called Chad Allen. Man, great guy. Great guy. You're going to love this conversation with him. Um, I get, I mentioned in the podcast, get an email from him every week, just challenging people to get that book out of them. Yep. And I yep. know we've talked about this before in the podcast, but you are going to be intrigued by, by this podcast and his story about C.S. Lewis's family. Oh, man. Yeah. You just wait. So good. So please sit back and relax, put a brew on. <laughs> uh, you see what I did there? I was just getting ready to say it. <laughs> and enjoy this conversation with Chad Allen. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. All right, everyone, it's time for another conversation on Revival Town Podcast. Chad Allen is a full-time writer, editor, speaker, and writing coach, a 20-year publishing professional who spent years as an editor and acquisitions editor, including seven years as editorial director for Baker Books, a division of Baker Publishing Group. Chad has worked with such best-selling authors as Michael Hyatt, Carolyn Leaf, Mark Batterson, and more. He is the creator of Book Proposal Academy, Book Camp, and the winning Book Proposal Power Pack. His passion is helping writers get their books into the world, and he blogs at www.chadrallen.com. He's a great follow. I I consider him a friend. He helped me with my book proposal. Chad, welcome to Revival Town Podcast. I'm honored. Thanks for having me, Chuck. Yeah. Good to see you. Thank you. Great to meet you. We just chatted a little bit earlier, and it's uh, great to meet you. I actually uh, get your emails uh, every week or or twice whenever they come out you know uh, every week uh, great read great challenge um, uh, you know we had Esther uh, Federcevic on Federkevich, yeah yeah sorry, I'm terrible <laughs> with names um, that's a hard the, one the, um, she was she was on and she always talked about this book within us and from that I then started talk uh, following you and uh, the emails they're challenging i know i've got a book inside me i just got to sit down and get it out so thank you for challenging me every week <laughs> my pleasure well great to great to know you andy and glad to be here thank you yeah well we want to encourage our listeners right off the bat to go to your website chad r allen.com and sign up to get the emails if you have um, aspirations of, of publishing, if you're aspiring writer, a blogger, 
There is, it's a treasure trove really of, of information. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is so good, Chad. So we're we're really grateful that you would take time to come and and help and inspire our our, our listeners to perhaps um, take that idea and and put it down and, and and make it happen. You'll hold their hand. You'll you'll walk them through, and you helped me with my winning proposal. Yeah, yeah, I love this work. You know. Um, I, I worked in publishing for 20 plus years and, you know, as a, as a corporate guy, as a, as a, a representative of, of a commercial publishing company, I had to say no to authors a lot. No, your audience isn't big enough. No, your concept isn't strong enough. No, your writing isn't compelling enough. So I started blogging about 12 years ago just as, as a place to say yes to writers. Yes, you can do this. You can grow an audience. You can you can make that concept stronger. You can become a better writer. And that eventually led into full-time coaching, which is what I do today. And I can't imagine doing anything else. I just love it. I love helping writers get their books into the world. Awesome. Well, why don't how did you how did you get into writing, coaching, publishing. I mean, I know it's been a passion for years, but what what kicked off that passion? Yeah, so from a young age, I, I was a book guy. You know, I'd always been a big reader. And um, that led eventually to reading the works of C.S. Lewis. Um, many of your listeners, I'm sure, are familiar with uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, The Screwtape Letters, Mere Christianity, and many others. And I remember, what, this is kind of a fun story. Um, I remember watching the movie Shadowlands. Have oh, either yeah. of you seen Shadowlands? What a movie. That is amazing. I need to see it. I haven't seen it. Oh, you would. Now, oh, yeah, now okay, Chuck's okay. big into I, like down and Abbey and stuff like right that. Now. He would get into this. Uh, Anthony Hopkins was in, in that, correct? Yes. Yes. And um, who plays Joy Davidman? Um, her name will come to me. Deborah Winger. Deborah yeah. Winger. Yeah. Um, it is a great, it's been a while. It's yeah. been a while, but it's, it's been a, it, it was a great film. I saw it when I was in college and, you know, C.S. Lewis eventually marries Joy Davidman. Joy Davidman's son, Douglas, is portrayed in the film. And I knew, of course, that, that uh, C.S. Lewis and Joy Davidman had long since passed, but I wondered about that little boy in the mm-hmm. movie. I was like, so whatever became of Douglas? Yeah. And so back then it wasn't Google. It was like, I'm going to date myself. It was like Ask Jeeves or something. You remember this? <laughs> yeah. remember Ask <laughs> and uh, and I, I like ask, I didn't Google. I asked Jeeves about um, Douglas Gresham and I found his email address. And that began a correspondence between me and the stepson of the late C.S. Lewis that wow. lasted pretty regularly for about, a year or so he sort of became kind of an uncle like figure in my life when I was in college. And eventually soon after graduating from college, I asked him if I could come live with him. He was at the time in County Carlow, Ireland, living in a 12 bedroom mansion about an hour and a half South of Dublin. Wow. Wow. And he, uh, was, and as far as I know, is the general consultant to the company that owns all the rights to C.S. Lewis's work. In fact, I don't know how much time you want to spend on this. Yeah, no, this, yeah this is was, great. I was telling okay. Andy a little bit about this, and um, so I'm glad you brought it up. Okay, so a little more about Douglas. He's the executive producer on many of the, the more recent Narnia films that have been released. And in fact, I, I just never got around to watching The Voyage of the Don Treader film, which is one of the one of the books in the Narnia Chronicles. So my son and I, my 14-year-old son and I, were watching this this movie. Have you guys seen it? Have you seen The Voyage of the Don Treader film? I have. I have, yes. It's been, it's been okay. a while, but yes, I have. Okay. So there's this point at w- where um, one of the children, I can't remember which one, is getting sold off into slavery on, on an island that they that they land on. And uh, and the and the uh, slaveholders are calling out their prices for for the slave, right? 
And on the screen pops Douglas Gresham's face. Oh my! And it, he's on. There. It's just a cameo. He's on there just a second. He has like three a three sentence line or something. Wow. But it's Douglas Gresham. It's the stepson of C.S. Lewis, wow. who is one of these slaveholders. And and I like I rewinded it and paused it for my son. I'm like, that's Douglas Gresham because I lived with Douglas Gresham for about eight months. And uh, your question was, how'd you get into publishing? So I'm getting there. That's good. Um, no, you're good. Uh, uh, and uh, and I, you know, I lived in that mansion for eight months. In the mornings, um, I would help him with his work as general consultant to C.S. Lewis PTE Limited, which owns all the rights to Lewis's work. Wow. And so, um, yeah. And so that was my first exposure to publishing. So always been a book guy. But in, at Doug's place, I I was kind of exposed to this whole world of people behind the scenes that made books actually happen, and I was hooked. I was like, "Wow, this is wow. this is an industry I got to be in." So that began a career. Uh, you know, I got back to the states, and I jumped around here and there, but eventually landed at my first publisher in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, it was called Starburst Publishers. I don't think they <laughs> exist anymore. Um, but then I would live, live, live there in Lancaster and worked at Starburst for about three years, then worked at Baker Books, a division of Baker Publishing Group, uh, first as a project editor, overseeing copy editing and proofreading. And then a few years in, I was an acquisitions editor. Acquisitions editors are responsible for bringing books under contract. And then a few years after that, I became editorial director for the Baker Books division, still acquiring books myself, but also supervising other editors who were who were also acquiring. So, um, yeah, I did. I was editorial director for about seven years and then went out on my own about three and a half years ago as a full time book coach. So wow. that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Let's, oh, if, if it's OK with you, I want to just because of being from the UK, um, I'd like to go back to. Because you've just sure. blown my mind about to, to like Douglas Gresham's mansion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, <laughs> the, the crazy. I mean, I, I have never been to Ireland, right? Um, uh-huh. uh, I, uh, my mom and dad had been there many times to c- the Coleraine area of Northern Ireland. Um, culturally, obviously, going from America, and we talk a lot about this on the on the show because we do this little bit at the end called Tate and his mate where. I throw English words or phrases that Chuck has no idea what they mean, and he's got to try and guess them. And, guess and it's them. it's become like the thing that people listen to on the podcast. Okay, but that came out because of the differences of, of culturally of Britain and America. You're now, <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. You are now. Um, living with a relative of C.S. Lewis in a castle in Ireland, right? What was that like culturally? Like, I know there's the publishing, and we'll talk about all that, and seeing the C.S. Lewis world there. But culturally, what was that like coming, you know, with your age being a lot younger than now? Yeah. Was that was there was there some learning curves? Obviously, there was food learning curves. I know that, but <laughs> but yeah. what was that like stepping into that world? Oh, it was. I mean, I think a lot of Americans have this romantic um, um, impression or idea of Ireland: the rolling green hills, the sheep, you know, yeah. the leprechauns, um, <laughs> the leprechauns. Yeah, um, and. You know, I got there and we got out of the city of Dublin and you're you're driving in the countryside and I'm telling you, it looks like the postcards. Yeah. It's just that beautiful. Wow. It's that green. Um, it's just an amazing country uh, in terms of just the natural beauty. Absolutely stunning. And, you know, many, many, um, there are many Christian mystics that came from Ireland. There's a lot of like Christian mysticism that's um, yeah. that is associated with Ireland. And when you're there, it just kind of seeps into you, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, you feel, you feel like you're a little closer to heaven maybe. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. And you know, the place of the pub in Irish culture is a big deal. It's a little different from, from the place of like bars in, right, in right. our culture pubs in Ireland. I mean, sure. People drink there, 
but it's really a place of community. You go to the pub to connect with others in the community. And so experiencing that whole culture yeah. was uh, really interesting as well. Um, I, I, I loved what they called brown bread or soda bread when I was in Ireland. You talked yeah. about the food, and so I'm, I'm calling <laughs> yeah. to mind. Um, and I just, I, don't, I haven't had anything similar to that here right. in the United States. Now, we kick their butts when it comes to a hamburger. Let's get really Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But their bacon is amazing, right? I mean, bacon over there is completely oh, different yeah. than over here. And their butter. Their yeah. butter is really good. Yeah. yeah. Which, which they, I've they, just they, found. I feel the big three coming on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, this intrigues me, the whole C.S. Lewis. I'm a huge fan, obviously, with our kids um, growing up. Uh, we, you know, we read the books, uh, you know, Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe and all the series. And then the movies came out that for someone being in the UK, uh, from the UK, you know, they really did an incredible job of keeping it feeling British, right? Because yeah. C.S. Lewis was really big on that with the wartime right. and everything else. Um, yeah. Was it weird? Were the, mo- the movies weren't out when you went there, correct? That's correct. So yeah. what was that was like when they come out? Like what was it like when they came out? Yeah, and and you had been in this world, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting. I remember the first one they released was Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe and uh it was really exciting. But I have to say like you know, you you've heard this before, the book's better than the movie. Absolutely. And and I I have to I have to confess that that was one of the thoughts I had. That yeah. you know, when you've lived with the High King Peter for for <laughs> for so long and you've seen you know, you've seen these people in your imagination. It's pretty hard for a movie to live up to that. But it was still cool to see it represented yeah. and to see the see the beavers, you know, what yeah. they what they were like and what they talked like. And, you know, I thought they did a great job. Yeah, yeah. So so um, correct me if I'm wrong, Chad, but wasn't C.S. Lewis rejected numerous times before he was published? You know, or, I don't know the answer okay, to that. Okay, um, I, I thought I had possible. heard that, but okay. You're yeah, just, you're just trying awesome. to make a better podcast, aren't you? That's yeah. what he's... <laughs> yeah, right. Well, it's true. I mean, J.K. Rowling, to, to point to a different yeah. UK author, did experience a lot of rejection before she wrote the best-selling, you know, <laughs> book in history or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, part of the Bible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a common story. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about publishing. I mean, from the pub to publishing. Um <laughs> So you, you coach writers every day. You, you coached me. And one of the things that I will forever be grateful to you for is helping me tweak my book proposal. And there are listeners that do not know what a, a proposal is. In fact, I was just talking to someone on the phone about three weeks ago. Somebody called me up. They're, um, he's written a book. And he didn't even use a computer. He, he wrote it by hand. He's kind of old school. Oh, wow. And yeah. he was just, he called me and said, man, I, w- I want some help, my next steps. And I want to I publish. I want to publish traditionally. And so I began talking to him <laughs> about, um, you know, platform, the concept, um, being mm-hmm. a good writer, you know, getting all that from paper, having somebody, um, you know, dictate that or, or, or transcribe it. And, and um, But one of the things that, I talked about was book proposals. He had never even heard of a book proposal. So hmm. um, he's following you now. I told him, you got to go ah. to chadrallen.com. You have to, you have to sign up, go through BPA if you, if you can, but I've directed yep. numerous, numerous people um, because it impacted me. And uh, one of the things that I remember from going through BPA, and then you can kind of, kind of expound upon, on BPA and, and what sure. that means and, and how people can become a part of it. But mm-hmm. um, you know, Andy, I was, writing my proposal to submit. And I, I was on my way to a conference at Perry Noble's church. This is mm. a long time ago. Our youth pastor was with us. Um, it's back when I had a mini Cooper, he was driving. I was sitting in the passenger <laughs> with my laptop. We were somewhere. I don't even know what state we were in, but um, I think it was Tennessee. And I was um, doing a conference call. It was a coaching call with you, Chad. And I had okay. already submitted my chapter titles and my synopsis for each title to you and i was mm-hmm. super excited about it and 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 proud of it so um i'll never forget i, I we got off that that when we got on that phone call and you began to um 
coach me, and I don't want to say pick apart my synopsis, um, but really point out some blind spots to me and instruct me. And I realized, whoa, I had so much work to do. Everything that I thought was 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 polished wasn't. And you helped me navigate that. I rewrote all of it and then ended up with a winning proposal. So, so thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, what I love about that story is that it illustrates how writing a proposal, yes, is the first step toward get, getting a book deal with a traditional publisher, but it's also just a great way to get your arms around your own book. You know, yeah. when you, I mean, there's just so much you learn in the process of writing a book proposal. I'm looking at you, Andy, because I know you've got one in you. Uh, you, you. You learn so much about your project as you write that book proposal from, um, you know, take for example, well, let's start with just the cover, which which has your title and subtitle. You know, that's the first thing that your reviewers will look at is your title and subtitle. So it's important. I'm talking mainly about nonfiction now, but it's important um, that 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 title and subtitle speak to a real need real people have. Um, because if it does, then it's a, an attractive, compelling title. If not, then you've got some work to do. So just with the cover page of a proposal, mm. you're already making progress on your book. You're making your book better, probably, than it would have been otherwise. And then when you write your bio, um, you, what you're doing is establishing your credibility as the, as the author of this particular work. Well, that's important for you to think through. How am I an authority on this topic? Um, and there are different kinds of authority. There are different kinds of credibility. There's, there's formal credibility when you have, you know, an MDiv. Uh, there's social credibility when you have followers. There's experiential credibility when you have a set of experiences that, you know, allows you to talk about something in a, in a more in-depth way than you could otherwise. So I just want to make the point that you don't have to be a PhD to, to, to be an author. Um, when you write that synopsis, you're building out the architecture of your book. Um, so, I mean, and then when you write the marketing plan inside the proposal, you're figuring out ahead of time how are you going to help? How are you going to help a publisher get this book out there? Mm. Again, really important to have that in place before your book hits the market. So, anyway, that's a little bit about proposals. Great. And if someone's listening would like to to learn more about, wow, this is I I, I need this. How can they go through BPA with you? Yeah, great. So, I would start with I wrote a great blog post called. Um, if you Google Chad R. Allen, how to write a nonfiction book proposal, you'll find it. That's a really great overview of uh, the different elements and some tips on how to make each of those elements as strong as possible. Um, book Proposal Academy is only open here and there. Uh, I open it once or twice a year. What I'm th- This is late breaking news that, that I've never shared before. What I'm thinking about doing is adding Book Proposal Academy to my Bookcamp membership. Uh, and the reason for that is, uh, first of all, I think it would serve uh, members of, of Bookcamp. Um, but secondly, it helps me just simplify my focus so I can focus on one thing and, uh, and you know, make the best use of my own time and serving writers. So... Uh, it will likely be, it may well be kind of an upper tier to book camp, um, but it would still be a huge savings to join book camp and get access to book proposal Academy. So number one, check out that book, that blog post and number two, join book camp. And if you're on my list, it won't take long for you to hear about book camp. I'm constantly letting people know about it. If only in the PS of my emails. So, um, so that's what I would say. Okay, and and for our listeners that are unfamiliar with Bookcamp, can you um, can you explain what Bookcamp is? I would love to. This has become my heart's passion, Chuck. So back when you and I were working together, it was, all I had was Book Proposal Academy. Um, but here's the thing about here's the thing about book proposals. It's one part of the process, mm. um, and you and I both know that the number one reason publishers turn books down is uh, is really about platform. Well, I want to help writers with the whole journey from establishing a writing habit to 
you know, even starting a website. I mean, name one successful author today who doesn't have a website. You know, right. you need a website yeah. um, to to building your audience or building your platform, to developing your concept, to writing that proposal, to pursuing one avenue of publishing or another, because there's more than one, and then launching and promoting your book. Those steps are what we call the success trail map inside Bookcamp. And we walk people through each of those steps. And it involves, there's a whole members area full of trainings. But there are these live events that we do. Right now, we're working through Tim Grawl's book, Your First 1,000 Copies. And it's just been so rich to uh, to meet with people, people live and go through that book. And then we're, you know, we have an interview with the author at the end. So that's book camp. It's helping helping people with the whole process. Man, oh, that's so good. I know uh, i got a lot of friends who... Um, I've always taught, and I'm the same, right? So it's, it's I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. I've always said, "Oh, I'd love to write a book. I'd love to to do something." What are you? What What are some of the say the three things that you would really challenge people to think, perhaps different? Because it's easy to, I don't want to say it's easy to write a book, but mm-hmm. to go about it and 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 typically do it. Obviously, mm-hmm. guys like yourself are looking for something a little bit different, a little bit. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some of those things that you, you yeah. look for? Yeah, I love that question. I mean, here's the thing. Like, you know, we, we, the three of us, could each write a chapter and publish by dinner tonight. You know, like it's not hard anymore. And this is remarkable. This has only been true in our lifetimes. Um, it's not very hard to get published and to be published globally. I mean, Amazon is a global company. So, we three could each write a chapter and publish a book by dinner tonight. So that's the easy part, actually. Well, you know, unless we had a plan, we'd probably sell about three copies. You know, our spouses would each buy a copy. <laughs> so the question becomes, okay, all right. Like I, I, that might be fun just as, just as something silly to do. But if I want to write a book that really has an impact and uh, leaves a legacy, what do I need to keep in mind? And I talk a lot about the three C's, concept, crowd, and craft, C-R-A-F-T. Concept is, and again, I'm talking nonfiction, but it applies to fiction as well. Uh, Your book needs to meet a real need real people really have. So one way to get at that is if you were to just kind of assume the mindset of your ideal reader, Uh, how would they articulate the need they have that your book is going to address? So, for example, an expectant mom might say, I'm afraid of having my first baby. Well, that is an, I call that an I statement, or I'm nervous about giving birth. You know, Um, those are I statements for somebody who might be interested in what to expect when you're expecting, right? So what are the I statements for your reader. That can help you kind of get into uh, the mind of your reader and therefore develop a concept, develop a title and subtitle that really speak to that need. So that's concept. That's the first C. The second C is crowd. This is audience. This is platform. How do you build a platform? Well, I really strongly encourage people to, to not rely solely on social media. Why? Well, engagement rates are pretty awful with social media. If you look at the if you look at the data, um, uh, but worst of all, you don't own your your audience when you when you are on social media. In other words, you can't take all your Facebook likes or all your Twitter followers, download that list, and take them to a different platform. That's impossible. Uh, the social media companies don't allow it because they recognize that the value of what they offer is in those connections. When you have an email list, you have an asset, a digital asset that you own that you get to to work with as you like. So I strongly encourage writers to grow an email list. And a big part of what we do in Bookcamp is help people do that. Anybody can do it unless you're, you know, unless you just don't want to hustle at all. If you're living under a rock, you can do this. And with our tactics, you can grow your email list to the hundred in the hundreds just in the space of a month, as long as you've got a little bit of time. Um, so that's the crowd. And then uh, craft. 
how well is the book written? Uh, we all know good writing because, uh, you know, we don't want to put that book down when we start reading it. Right. Yeah. So how do you become a better writer? And that's the, that's the third C. That's, that's some, that's some meat that you have just given people to chew on really, <laughs> yes. yeah, really is. Um, the whole social media thing, you're absolutely right in, in what you're saying. Um, you know, my son uh, is a graphic designer, works uh, now in Los Angeles for Mosaic Church and Owen, Owen McManus is uh, yeah. the pastor there. And he's behind uh, with with two or three people on staff there behind all of the marketing that comes out of Mosaic and for Owen's books. And uh, mm-hmm. he just wrote a book uh, that was released a few weeks back called The Genius of Jesus. And so it's been it's been pretty cool with Ethan out there now, you know, telling me some of the processes that's going on, some of the things that uh, they do um, uh, in the social media world, especially Mosaic leans heavily on social media um, because mm-hmm. they're a global brand. Um, right. but, but what you said was was pretty crucial they they don't own those people so to speak you know that that's a that's a really cool point that that we have to remember social media is a big part of of marketing but it's not the only thing absolutely and and with cancel culture now you can lose your social media following overnight but if you have an email list you have a community that embraces you they're already in with you you have relationship with them so i think it's so good to um, to be reminded of that chad can you expound for a moment for for the listener who says okay i'm here i'm hearing i'm hearing talk about a proposal and about the publishing world what's the difference between traditional publishing and self-publishing Sure. Yeah. So self-publishing is when you basically do it yourself. You cover the expenses related to to editing, designing, marketing, publicity, distribution. Uh, Now, these days with digital publishing, uh, you know, people, you know, whereas before you had to buy to get the unit cost down, you had to buy, you know, a thousand or more copies to get the unit price down to where it made sense. Um, These days, fortunately, um, you can upload a couple of files, the internal file and the cover file to Amazon, and uh, and they will distribute it for you. In other words, they will print copies as they're ordered. It's remarkable. And Amazon just announced that they're now even doing this with hardcover books, which is amazing. It's amazing. Wow. It's an amazing time that we live in. Wow. Um, but that's self-publishing. Then a traditional publishing is, is kind of old school publishing where... Um, and I don't mean old school in the, in terms of being passe. It's still a really, I, I'm still a big believer in traditional publishing, but this is when a publisher offers you a contract. It's, it includes an advance amount uh, of a payment of some kind against royalties. So let's say you get a $10,000 advance to write the book. Then once they start selling the book, they recoup that 10,000 until they've, and, and then once they have recouped it, they begin paying you royalties. So, um, so, you know, there are pros and cons to both self-publishing and traditional publishing. I'm a big fan of both. Um, it just all depends on what your goals are. And then sort of between self-publishing and traditional publishing, there's this whole realm of hybrid publishing. And this is basically where you pay for, uh, you pay for a publisher to help you publish. So you're not getting paid until you start selling books, but you are paying a publisher to kind of help you navigate through like the editorial process, the design process, and so on. Um, and what I would say about hybrid publishing is there are some great hybrid publishers out there. The, the, the number of different sorts of packages that are available is long. So you kind of need to do your homework, make sure you're not getting taken advantage of, make sure you know exactly what you're getting for the money you pay. But there are some great reputable hybrid publishers out there. So that's kind of a, a middle space between self and traditional publishing. You know, we've we've had a number of uh, musical artists that have been on the podcast. And uh, we've asked them a few uh, questions, a bit like the one I'm going to ask you, because their world really was turned upside down when digital happened, going from mm-hmm. CDs, vinyls to mm-hmm. uh, streaming. Did that, was that something that changed 
your industry, do you feel, when everything went to audio books or digital books compared to the real hard? I, I'm, a, I'm a bit old school compared to mm-hmm. Chuck. Chuck loves like listening to the books, and which I do as I'm well. I'm guy. Um, you know, I like yeah. doing that, but there's something about, you know, grabbing a book and reading it. The problem yeah. with me is if it doesn't get me in the first few chapters, I'm putting it down. So, you know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things that um, the hardback or the softback, but just a book in hand, I love. Mm. Um, did that digital switch really impact your industry or was, was it not as drastic as, as music? It certainly had an impact. I mean, I, I'm, I've not been involved in the music industry, but my recollection is that like whole music labels just fell apart, you know, just yeah. collapsed uh, because of, of digital music. That I'm sure that happened here and there in the publishing industry. Um, but as long as publishers could pivot and offer their books, not only in physical form, but in digital form, they just sold both, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's typically like 25% of sales at a publisher. Um, generally speaking, it, maybe it's 20, 20 to 30% uh, is made up of, of uh, ebook sales. So there's still a healthy percentage that's still, physical books. I do think we've seen a massive increase in audiobooks. I think as more and more people are using their phones as audio devices, that has really taken off. But again, that hasn't hurt publishers. Publishers generally are, you know, they're, they're, they don't really care how somebody engages with the content, what medium the content is in. What they care about is, are you paying for our content? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I also think one of the things that the publishing industry got right is, it's a little harder to pirate a book than it is to, than it was to pirate music. Um, So uh, there's still piracy that happens in, in the book world, but it hasn't, I don't think it has been or was as rampant as it was in the music industry. So that's another thing that I think helped the book, the book industry. Mm. I I know for me, I, I, I do prefer a hard copy of a book. I like to highlight and to write notes, yeah. but the reality is I'm going to read a lot more books if I can listen to them. Yeah. You know, so I definitely, and, and there's some books I have the audible version. I have the mm-hmm. ebook version. I have the hard copy version. Yeah. When a book inspires a sermon series, man, I have all three. I'm listening to it. I'm on my computer with it. I'm writing notes in the book and I love being able um, to do all three, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, good. it's fantastic, isn't it? It's great. I, I've heard of people who will listen to the book while they're reading it, just because they feel like they they engage with it more that way. Um, so My daughter terrific. does that. Yeah, yeah with, I, with, I, with school, I do that too because um, I like highlighting. You know what yeah. I mean? So I do like, I, and I really love it when the real author is reading mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it feels more personal. Yeah. It feels more. Um, Absolutely. You know, if 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 there's a guy, you know, writes a book called George and it's a lady reading it, it just doesn't feel the same. <laughs> well, I, you know what? What's funny that you should say that is I love to listen to T.D. Jakes preach. And mm. I was so disappointed when um, the first book I read, I listened to by him when he... he he wasn't the narrator, and I was I was bummed by that. I wanted to yeah. hear him, yeah. right? Yes. So in his latest release, he did he did narrate a portion of it, but then there was a narrator that finished. So I, I got a little bit of a, but so it was it was all it was all good. But yeah, I want to hear. I want to usually I want the author. I want to hear yeah. the author narrate it. But but um, but Chad, amazing. why don't you tell us how how do how can people connect with you and book camp BPA all the I mean obviously BPA is only a couple times a year, but um, if somebody's listening right now and they're like, man, I need book, I need book camp. How do I, how do right. I get in book camp? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say, I'd love to serve you in whatever way makes the most sense for whoever's listening to this. And, and, you know, maybe there's this idea that won't leave them alone, you know, uh, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. It may well be that that idea is part of, uh, you know, your calling in life. So, um, so there's all kinds of free content on my blog. Jump onto my list. Um, you know, there's lots of freebies you can you can download. Like my book proposal template is uh, you'll you'll be prompted to uh, join my email list if you're on my site for any length of time. And one of the freebies that we offer is the book proposal template, which really is 
a helpful way to get started on a book project. Um, and then I do have a products page uh, on my site where you can look at the various ways that I work with writers. And yeah, my career has up to this point sort of culminated in book camp. And uh, it's just a wonderful community of writers who are thriving, who are showing up and they're working on those three C's that I talked about. Mm. So, um, and if you have any questions, uh, feel free to hit reply on any of my emails and ask me a question. I get those emails and I respond to them. So I'd love to be helpful. That's so good. Well, I know there is a lot of people that uh, have been listening and we, we hear from a lot of people of, um, especially with some of the people we've had on already as well about, uh, you know, wanting to write books and, uh, steps and I think that's because of of Chuck and and what he went through in writing Forty One Will Come. Um, mm-hmm. Could you pray to that? Uh, clo- bring us in, in prayer just for those who may just be uh, challenged to do something but don't know what to do next, and and pray into that. Into that would be great uh, for our our audience that are listening. Good. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Let's pray. Lord, I just want to bring anyone listening to this to you right now and ask you um, to guide them, to help them with whatever is the next step. And maybe, Lord, that you'd remove all the anxiety that can come with, um, with a big project like this. And suggest to them just their their next step, maybe the next couple of steps. Um, And uh, that you would continue to guide them along the way so that they have a really clear sense of what you're calling them to do. And um, and if if they should abandon the project, that that would be clear as well in favor of of something else. Um, But we just pray for your guidance and uh, we pray for your peace that surpasses understanding in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Man, thank you so much, Chad. It's really good to, to re reconnect. Uh, I um, appreciate you and all that you have to offer. I know you're going to help a lot of people. So I, I hope our listeners that have a passion to write are going to sign up for your email list and get going. Good. Well, I hope so. I'd love to serve people. Well, we we do something, Chad, at the end of every podcast. Uh, I, I know people have already got to know you through some of the stories that you've shared, and uh, but we do with the big three, the big three, and so we're All gonna right. we're gonna fire some uh, some questions at you. Okay, so my first okay. one is this: If you could take a book and turn it into a movie, what book would it be? Oh man, that's a great question. I just read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. And I know many of your listeners may not be familiar with it, but basically it's this, I, I, can I, can I, I mean, this, now I'm messing up yeah. the rapid fire. No, 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 you're good. This is good. Okay. Um, it's about, um, it's about a woman who has the opportunity to go back in her life and change different things to see how her life would have ended up. So oh, for wow. example, at one point early in her life, she thought about being a glaciologist, a, a scientist of glaciers. And so she has an opportunity to change and see what her life would have ended up like. So she, she ends up, you know, the next scene, she's, she's uh, being eyed by a polar bear that might eat her, you know? Oh, and wow. so anyway, you get to experience these different lives of, I think her name is Nora Seed. And it's, it's a New York Times bestseller. It's a great read. Uh, and it kind of prompts you to go, huh, what would I change if I could change yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. What, Man. what would I change? And, uh, I'm checking that uh, out. So I'd love to see that as a movie. And I wouldn't be surprised if it became one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's good. Great. All right. My question, Chad, I know you're a runner. We didn't talk about this. All right. But you're, you're a runner. We're Strava friends. And you just completed a half marathon. Kudos, by the way. All right. Thanks. My question is, what do you listen to when you run? Do you listen to podcasts? Do you listen to audible books? Do you listen to music? And if so, what do you listen to? I listen to all of those. Okay. Um, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is called How I Built This. It's a business podcast from NPR. And it's the, 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 the host of it just interviews interesting 
Uh, like he interviewed, uh, you know, the dude perfect guys. Yeah. 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 On YouTube, he interviewed the two of those guys about how Dude Perfect happened. So I love listening to how I built this. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I I listen to um, I listen to audiobooks. I just listened to to Matt Haig's other book. I was so into the Midnight Library that I read his next book <laughs> or, or another book from him called How to Stop Time. So I just finished that audiobook, and then I listen to music. I prefer like um really happy music uh i think can can people see my spotify playlists is that a thing do people i don't know uh, if, if, I think if I you have to be my friend or or I what i kind of think so i think they can even um subscribe yeah, to it yeah yeah subscribe yeah. to your yeah. playlist okay i have one called party exclamation point that's just full of like really <laughs> happy happy music like uh you know pharrell williams happy and all these other songs that are just really really peppy yeah. and uh, that helps me run that has to get my mind off of what I'm doing and just have a little fun you know that's I like to if I can get away with running's fine but if I can get away with dancing down the road that's even better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it love it <laughs> that's good that's good okay last one what do you miss um, from Ireland oh man you know I did some hitchhiking in Ireland, uh, one one hitchhike I did was from from County Carlo, where uh, the little town is called Lachlan Bridge, and I hitchhiked from there all the way to Galway, from the uh, from the east coast to the to the west coast of Ireland. Wow! And it's not the hitchhiking that I miss so much. What I miss was between rides, um, I would just walk on the roads of Ireland and. I still like when I want to go to my happy place, you know, when I want to just think about something calm and peaceful, I go back in my imagination to those walks in the Irish countryside. Yeah. Just stunning. Uh, So that's what I miss. Oh, wow. That's one of my Chuck. I don't know if you know this, but one of my all time favorite films all time is uh, a film called Waking Ned Divine. I don't know if you guys have seen it or not. It's a classic yeah. because it's about this small village in Ireland, probably, I think there's 92 people, and they, it's got nothing to do with the interview, but it's <laughs> Ireland, right? Uh, but they, uh, one night, they realize, these two old guys realize someone in the village has won the lottery ticket from that village. So they uh-huh. want to get close to that person to try and get these millions of pounds. Well, that when they get they they weed it down to Ned Divine, and when they get to his house, he has he's had a heart attack with the ticket in his hand. <laughs> so now so now they've they've got to convince these guys coming from Belfast that um, that one of them two is Ned Divine to get the money. They get the whole village involved and they split the money. Right. <laughs> it is one of the best films. But you talk yeah. about the countryside and walking. I mean, there's a lot of it in that movie. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, yeah, that's just just thought I'd share about Waking Ned Divine. Yeah. My, my wife, Absolutely. Annette, that's her. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah. yeah. Annette's bucket list is to go to Ireland. That's her number, her number one. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. bless her heart. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope you get to. It's an amazing, amazing country. Well, Chad, thank you so much for being on Revival Town today. This uh, has been great, refreshing. I know people are uh, enjoying hearing this and they're going to be able to connect with you, which is the great thing about Revival Town. We don't just have folks on that are a million miles away and they can actually connect with you. And and we appreciate that, uh, your willingness to do that for sure. So again, Chad, thank you so much for being on Revival Town Podcast. Thank you, Chad. So good to connect with you again. I'm inspired. I'm ready to, I'm ready to get writing. Oh, good. Good. Well, it's been my pleasure. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Chad. Right. Well, that was great, Andy. Great mate. Yeah, man, he just um, is a, I'll say it again, treasure trove, treasure trove, I can't even say it now, <laughs> treasure trove, treasure trove <laughs> of information. Seriously, go to chatrallen.com, sign up, get his emails, and take advantage of all the information to help you work on your craft. My, I, my mind is still blown away by him getting to stay 
in a castle in Ireland that is in C.S. Lewis's family. Yeah, that, that's just one of the coolest stories I've heard. It oh. really is. When he mentioned that, I was like, wait, wait, wait. We need to find it a little bit more out about Ireland. Yes. Um, and, and he went there. He, you know, we, we hadn't talked about that before, and he, he definitely went there, and it was so good. And uh, so thankful uh, for him being on, being as it's Thanksgiving yes. week. Yes, thank you, Chad. He's um, just a really, really good guy and in- instrumental in my publishing journey. Yeah. Is that the so. guy we need to blame? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we better, I think we better get to Tate and his mate. Oh, okay. All right. Here we go. Uh, Tell us about what Tate and his mate is. This is the part of the podcast where Andy, a.k.a. the Brit, right? (laughs) Andy from the UK is going to give me a word or phrase that is British slang that is unfamiliar with us over here across the pond. And I have to guess the meaning of the word. I got to tell you something. This just came into my mind. Yeah. So about a month ago, I was asked to speak at a, a local youth group here in town. Really? Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, man, alive. Oh, you're a dog. Hey, hey you're uh, getting ready to speak at Rock Church. I know, I you know. know. Uh, for a special event. Thanks. Very special. Yeah, all right. So, Hey, so, here. no, that's fine, that's fine. Like I said, anywhere will take me. Um, but but no, seriously, it was uh, I was at this youth group and it was red, white, and blue night because I knew I was speaking and everyone had to dress up red, white, and blue. Oh, that's cool. So when I get there, I'm wearing my England red, uh, my white shirt, you know, my England soccer shirt on, and uh, and as they started it, they all pull out these American flags and all oh. this stuff. It was so. It was so good. But that I ta- is great. I talked about Tate and his mate because they were asking me about different words and things like that. So I was throwing a bunch at them, you know, like aluminium and things like that. You know yeah. what I mean? And um, and so yeah, have I done aluminium? Mm-mm, haven't used that one yet. Oh, no, no, I used to live in a condominium. So anyway, um, I'm throwing all these different words out, and I, I give a plug for Revival Town Podcast. And so this week, when we do Taint and His Mate, um, this is where, like Chuck said, I'm challenging Chuck, and I'm going to put it into a word that is Thanksgiving-related. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm dialed in. Okay. Um... Most Thanksgiving, I'm not peckish because I've ate too much. Most Thanksgiving, you're not peckish because you've ate too much. You're not peckish. I peckish. Peckish. You're not. You're not um, hungry anymore because you ate too much. So you're not. Yes, you got it. Really? Peckish is hungry. Oh, man, I'm peckish. Oh, I'm wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, yeah, today today when we had Chinese, before Chinese, I was peckish. Ah, I was okay. starving. Yeah, yeah. So, you're going to have to use that and, one. And you peckish. tried something new today. I'm proud of you. What's that? You had Mongolian beef instead of... Sweet and sour chicken. Yeah. I know. And it was good. Oh, oh yeah. With the lo mein. Yes, with the lo Instead of fried rice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Got to watch the calories. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got low in the in the name, so it's got to be better for yeah, you, right? You know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, peckish. It's a, it's a new word. Well, you know what? Uh, next week we'll be coming out of Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll be rolling in uh, to Revival Town podcast because we will have ate too much. Yes, but that's all right. We will not be peckish for a while. Oh, I saw what for you a fortnight. Did <laughs> Well, Chuck, it's been great again. We say it every week, um, and I lie every week. No, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, great doing this show with you, and uh, if you're listening, make sure you're letting people know. Give us a review on Apple. Tell us about how people can do that. Yes, go to Apple Podcasts. For those of you that are iPhone users, in the search area, but area. <laughs> 
Really? No, yeah, just no. Um, search for search for Revival Town Podcast, and you can give us a, a rating or even leave a review. And that just honestly just extends our reach and gets us in front of more people. It really does. It really does help. But um, we'd also love to hear from you. Go to RevivalTownPodcast.com. Click on Listen Now. That takes you to uh, another page called Anchor, and there's a spot on that page that says Leave a Message, and you can leave a voice message for us, and we might just play it on a future episode. All right, mate. All right, man. And um, go to the merch store. If you haven't got your Tate and Mate merch, get it. Oh, yeah. Get it while it's hot. Christmas yeah. is coming. Christmas. Uh, yeah, get, now, now's the time get to it. get it, yeah. right? So. Just just uh, around the corner Come is on. Christmas. Here we go. You might, oh, have, oh, to get, oh. might have to get the Ingl- the uh, the Christmas uh, jingles yeah. going on. Yeah. Oh, do they celebrate Christmas in England? Oh, oh I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm you know what? We also have electricity as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I better be careful. Oh, no. I love it. I, I, I finished the crown. Oh. Finished it, man. Loved it. Man. We're waiting for the next I, I season. I learned so much. You know, we should do, we should do a, a week talking about the crown. Yeah. All right? Okay. Right Near back. future. All right. Thank you again for listening to Revival Town Podcast. Uh, I'm Andy King. That's Chuck Tate. And we will be with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. for listening to this episode of revival town podcast make sure you're following us on social media and remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for more information head on over to revivaltownpodcast.com